reported it wrong. Part three. So, you know what? I think uh, this, I don't know if you noticed, um, but I think what this Oscar telecast was missing was I, I needed, um, I just needed a couple more. Have you heard about this new show called For Life? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think I need <laughs> a couple more ads on that to really. Is that on before or after the Connors live? <laughs> I don't know. You'd think I would know. Enough talking about television. We're here to talk about <laughs> movies, unless it's a TV show about the movies. Which it is. So, so we're now seeing Mr. The, the moniker Mr. Excitement, head of the yes. motion picture. Tom Hanks uh, introducing the casting, a casting director. I guess he's a casting director and Academy president, David Rubin. Who wasn't that boring? I don't know why the joke is that he's called Mr. Excitement. Yeah, wasn't he that wasn't good. that boring. He even told the good. joke. Uh, Tom Hanks, was, he's, he's got a great deadpan. He, oh, yeah, he does. It was good. It was funny. It's a warm deadpan. It's one that you know doesn't come from a bad place. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he introduces another important milestone. And Seymour and I turn to each other like, is this their fucking museum again? <laughs> Who gives again. a shit about this museum? Well, they're really... the academy. They're they're building it. This is their platform. I guess so, but man, and man, we, you, you know, care. you know that something's going to happen and it's just going to fold or something, right? I mean, it's just, they're going to have all this <laughs> multiple year build up and yeah, how long does it take them to get this place up? But okay, you talked about Tom Hanks coming from a place of warmth. I didn't appreciate his dig at a, the fact that there's a selfie museum. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it is an art form. It may not be as professional as other art forms, but, but it's, it's a, a cultural phenomenon. And I think uh, documenting how it's done and how it's evolved is legitimate. So maybe it, try but, it. Go in there and opening your mind, Mr. Hanks. Well, isn't this... You'll learn something. Isn't the selfie, though, really an art form that's for the artist and not for anything else? I mean, you think it's a photo... No, because people the post world. them for other people to see. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not for identification. It's for stature, right? Well, how, when you go see Van Gogh's self-portrait, is, how is that different? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Wait. I have Mr. I, Mr. Hanks, Mr. Carney. I'm, I I can be on Mr. Hanks' you side. Come off your high horse and think about folk art <laughs> and uh, different kinds of artistic expression and representation. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't uh, assume I know what the impetus for taking a selfie is. And why isn't why is that uh, make it? Why does that cancel out its legitimacy as a form of expression? Or is this an object of study, the phenomenon that this object of study doing this? Because on the surface, it does appear to be on the surface. It does seem to be a widespread phenomena of self-interest and self-importance. So I guess that 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 uh, needs some study of like custom cars. And yet there are museums for custom cars. But those are. You know, people build monuments to themselves all the time, and then we pay tickets to go see them. Well, In fact, point. some of them get honored with Oscars. <laughs> good point. All right. 
I stand anyway. interested if not corrected. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rebo Wilson and James Corbin. Corden. Kim James Corden. Corden. Who, as soon as James Corden came out. Now, James Corden, in addition to being a late night host, is a great creator of content. He made a great series called The Wrong Mans, which I highly recommend to everyone. It's achieved something, the, the genre I love most that, is ne that has never done, been done so well, the comedy suspense genre. And mm. uh, The Wrong Mans on Hulu, you should check it out. It's amazing. Um, but he comes out, and I could not, not think of Ricky Gervais's joke about him from the Golden Globes, which was the, uh, which was the joke was... This year we saw James Corden as a fat pussy, and he was in the movie Cats. <laughs> oh. I, I I like James Corden a lot. I, I know that's all in good fun. It's hard not to resist that gym when it's thrown at you. Okay, this was funny. This was a funny one. Yeah, I I just liked as as cast members of Cats, we understand the importance of good visual effects. <laughs> Just leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because anymore no you would have tipped your hand into shitting on the visual effects of their own movie or, <laughs> you know, just know that we would have looked like this if it hadn't been for that. Right. No more need be said. No <laughs> more need be said. Okay. And they introduce, as hinted, achievement in visual effects. And the nominees were Avengers Endgame. The Irishman, The Lion Irishman, I mean Lion King, 197 well, Irishman, believe me. <laughs> and Star Wars, The Rise of Irishman. Um, yeah, winner was 1917. Thoughts? I thought it deserved it. I thought the effects were great, the way that they built the landscape and you couldn't really and a lot of that stuff they had to build is production design and a lot of it they mm -hmm. had to create in post yeah. and I thought it was all seamless and that I will that, if that's the story that you're going to tell and that's how you're going to tell it the visual effects all served that brilliantly. I, I agree because I didn't think of visual effects once in the movie I was surprised to see it in yeah. the category because I went really and then I went oh yeah yeah no so yeah absolutely I I I, I do love my Avengers in game and the the feats and the envelope pushing they were doing there. But at the same time, it's not all perfect <laughs> in Adventures in Game. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's yeah, almost. Uh, Pepper Potts's face in the. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's. not work in the armor. No, not at all. But the. Um, and yet the special effects are on display 24 7 in that movie. Also. Probably in 1917, and nothing stuck out at me. So, ah, is you know, as much as I piss on the movie, it's it's that completely completely warranted. I probably would give it to it myself. The only one I didn't want in this category was the Irishman, right? Just because I thought the de aging. I mean, it wasn't that spectacular anyway, and right. me, I guess it was better than using makeup to do it, but. Mm, I yeah, don't know. It, if it, we're gonna, if this is become like a regular thing of doing de aging, and every time is gonna get nominated, it's gonna get old really fast. Yeah, it's gonna get old very, very fast. I mean, Michael Douglas in Ant Man is incredible de aging, in incredible. And I was shocked to see when I looked at it later that it's mostly makeup. 
the behind oh, really? the scenes footage, he looks almost identical to what he does. They just do a little bit of digital stuff on him. He looks he he looks they could have just left it as is, I think, but they had like tracking markers, I think, on his face. But otherwise it was mostly makeup and hair. And so I thought the whole thing was digital. But uh um, yeah, nothing in the Irishman came close to. Now, but now the the great feat of that technology though was that they just shot the scenes. They didn't have tracking markers or or any like apparatus on them. Yeah. They just were able to shoot the scene and achieve that. That's pretty good. That is cool. That is it, now if the technology can progress that way, great. That's a huge leap in in our uh, um, in our in, in the abilities, but for the most part, the 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 ends um, weren't really worth it in my opinion. And I didn't see the Lion they King. They can give that a technical award in the uh, the day before. Right. The same, yeah, the same uh, the same award that like uh, Morphing got, you know. Yeah, when, right. Uh, exactly. T two came around. I haven't seen the Lion King, but I'm I'm glad it didn't win. <laughs> Because <laughs> just looking at the trailers, going, I don't, I don't know how we connect to anything. And Star Wars just kind of feels like it's just Star Wars, you know. At this point, I have no idea if they're good That's effects right. or bad effects. It's just more Star Wars <laughs> just stuff. Just more Star Wars. Like it, it yeah. succeeded in looking like Star Wars. Which <laughs> <laughs> should be its own of, uh, category. Anything else you need to say? No, I think I want to talk about Ray Romano and Sandra O. Oh. Uh huh. Introducing hair and makeup with uh, and bleeping. Right. I have no idea what he said, but it sounded yeah. like a pretty cheap Joe Pesci joke. Joe Pesci is known for swearing in movies, so Joe Pesci right. swore at me. I think that was what the joke was. Oh well. We will never. Maybe know. Ray didn't have his regular writers on that one. <laughs> Or maybe he did. Maybe he did. Or maybe they bleeped him and he just said, watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, oh, I don't think we can, I don't think they're going to let that through. And then it'll just be a mystery. So hair and makeup. I thought the way this was going to be awarded was pretty obvious. Yeah. Make pretty famous obvious. person look like different famous person equals Oscar. Yeah. So now... Now was it so the like same two guy, horse race. Was it the same guy that did Darkest Hour that won last year for or a couple of years ago for Darkest Hour? Uh, I sure do not remember the names I don't of know. I, hair and makeup stylists. Well, I'm sorry. I, I do like his um did like his speech. And I I I I liked his speech and how he specifically called out Charlie's Theron as a good producer. And yeah, I liked, that was nice. And she uh, seemed very moved by that. She was very moved. And that, that, was, that was nice to see. I saw the producers' roundtable uh, that the Hollywood Reporter did, did. They've been doing a lot of these roundtables, which are really good. And um, she was on there. And uh, I could tell that she would be a consummate professional to work with. And, heck, she did strikingly look like Mel Megan Kelly. I mean, not obviously perfect. Not exactly. But it was quite it wasn't something where i was staring at the makeup it was like i was staring at the image in front of me it was it was kind of shocking how much she looked like yeah. <laughs> i can tell yeah yeah it's uh, to the point where during uh, one of the montages during the broadcast i'm like are they showing a shot from the movie or are they showing <laughs> it's just going to be like the side-by-side -side comparison right what's what's great though is that is that megan kelly i think has a little bit bigger eyes 
but the effect of the makeup and that make like making Charlize Theron's eyes a little bit narrower, a little bit beadier, they it still captures that kind of steel gaze that Megyn Kelly has. I have a question here. Yes. Regarding 1917. So all the dead bodies lying in canals yeah. and ditches and whatnot. Some of those are probably special effects. Some of those are probably extras with makeup. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that goes. I mean, I don't know how, how that's factored. But the rats crawling on them, all covered in like blood and gunk and mud. Do they have to do hair and makeup on the rats? Does that count? <laughs> those have to be CG, right? Like the rats in the tunnel... The one that jumps on that trip, that sets off the, the trip wire. That one's probably CG. Yeah. I think all the rats had to be CG because to get them to go where you need them to go. But if they're just crawling around in a dead body, you just need them to be hanging out there. You could just sprinkle some cheese. <laughs> well, the movie had that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I would imagine they're digital because they probably just didn't want to mess with having to catch them on every... Because every take was a two-hour reset, you know. They said oh, they probably boy. got they put the uh, Sam Mendes said they probably got about four takes in a day. The Rat Union probably yeah exactly. had some restrictions that made that difficult. So next up, Penelope, we get an international montage. Mm-hmm. Montage of international films. Montage. Uh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, it was. It's a good montage. And then we get the lovely Penelope Cruz, mm-hmm. dressed in black. As I recall, I didn't make a note on it. Introducing the uh, what seems just like a mere formality of the category for international <laughs> film. Which, again, I, we said this earlier. I do feel like since it was going to win, they, can, they can't plan this sort of thing. But kind of wish Pain and Glory had gotten a little bit of uh, got this award while Parasite got the best picture. But if it's the best picture in the category, it's the best picture in the category. So, uh, yeah. So Parasite winning this and then later winning Best Picture. I don't think that's ever been done. Now, what do you think of Honeyland? Not seen it. The, okay, but what do you think of the idea of a documentary competing against? I think it's fine. I mean, feature films. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I mean, I mean, really, these these categories aren't based off hard and fast rules of what they are. They're based on what they're submitted for. You know, so yeah. if if this is a category where every country submits what they want to represent their nation, I don't know who does the actual submitting. If the filmmakers do, or if the governments no, I, do, I think it's like a government board that does it, or a council, or you know, one of so, those things. So if you're that, the, that was one of the criticisms that it's like a way for despots to try to sell their country is uh, they they either select the movie that gets submitted or they will like commission a movie to make their country look good or make them look good right. to submit to the Oscars and that's part of their propaganda machine. Right. I see. So then the documentary category would be submitted by the producers, right? So I, I don't know. Right. Or, or the distributors or whatever. So in that regard, I mean, this is this is what international feature. This is what the country wants to represent their their country. So in that regard, I don't care if it's a documentary or a narrative or experimental or whatever. 
Well, so how do you it... feel about your ability to judge them? I don't. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Hmm. No, it's still a movie. Yeah. Okay. For so, me, it's it's categorically different. I don't know. I have I have a hard time applying the same criteria. Would you give Honeyland the if 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 as far as if you just looked at it as a movie with no other categorization? If uh, like if Parasite wasn't in this category and it was no, if it was Honeyland and Pain and Glory, which one I would rank higher? Is that what no, you're asking? Let's say with Parasite as is with the five as is. Well, Parasite wins. I thought okay. it was one of the five best movies I saw last year. And then there you go. The other two weren't. <laughs> uh, I love Honeyland. I already said uh, I highly recommend it. Pain and Glory, I really mm. liked. Me too. Even though I don't know how good it was. <laughs> you know, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> a lovely, I'm going to write my notes, uh, read my notes. I already wrote them. A lovely movie without a real ending. I, I puzzled know. out the choice to go from these wonderful dramatic dialogues to a series of doctor office visits, a non-drama involving a symptom they decide to keep a secret from the protagonist for all of one scene, a quick surgery, and boom, He's filming again. Spoiler alert. Hmm. I liked it coming around to the reveal that the flashbacks that we've been seeing were actually flash forwards to a film he would later make. Yeah, I love that. That was, that was very beautiful. Very beautiful device, yes. And I liked how most of the story is about his character, Antonio Banderas', Antonio Banderas's like stand-in for Pedro Almodovar. Um, I liked how most of the story is about him hiding from emotional pain yeah, because he's he's overwhelmed by physical pain until he, despite himself, like reconnects with his old lover, and that opening up allows him to come to terms with his mother's death, mm-hmm. and that allows him to start writing again, and that leads to that leads to everything. But it didn't like have a sense of progression to it. The way the story is told, it's just a series. Um, it's so sharply segmented. And the segments don't – they only, like, connect at their endpoints and you don't – like, once his actor friend helps him meet his former lover, you never see the actor friend again. Yeah. I, I right? Did, that I, I wish had more more of him in there. When he starts coming to terms with his mother, the his lover never comes up again. I don't even think, like, it's, there's reference made to him, right? It's just – it felt like – I felt like a Lego movie in, in the sense that uh, <laughs> uh, that's not quite the right term, but it just mm. felt like it connected at these. It's just like so segmented. It's so segmented. It had like an emotional through line, but I, I don't know. It didn't feel that satisfying, but moment by moment, I was loving the process yeah. of watching the movie. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I, I, I disagree that it didn't have an ending. I haven't seen it in so long and I really want to see it again. My experience with the movie was that it was it was all about how closure helps you helps you heal and move on and how how he had all these things in his life that he had no closure on and the the physical pain that took over his his senses was a weird excuse he was not really going to the doctor and treating it or treating it in some way but not fully 
that physical pain allowed him to take his mind off the things that he was avoiding emotionally. And when he came to, when he, you know, tried to make or reestablish relationship with his open, with his uh, leading man, that kind of closure, though there wasn't really a ton of closure there, led to the finding of the, the, the old lover and he got real closure there. Mm-hmm. And it's and 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 as soon as that happening, that huge part of himself has not like a forever ending, but like something was cut off, an open wound happened. And then when they were able to reconnect and and just share how they felt at that time, then that worry, that pain is put to bed, which frees your mind up, which frees your self up and through once you have all once you have found closure on all these various parts of his life then he could deal with the big thing of his mother's death and then he could start writing again and like i I found it be i I didn't find it to be um i found that the segments were discut were not were were, did should the beauty in it was it wasn't a chain it was a chain reaction but it wasn't a logical like this then this then this then this and this and this then this it was these things that seemingly weren't connected. It's just, it's like clearing your desk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like I can't do any work or I can't think about any work because I got all these different piles on my desk of stuff that are undone. You start doing someone, clearing it up, there's more room. Then I can actually, oh, I, I can now work on this part, clear that off, move that off. And then I've got, once my desk is cleared, I can create new things. And that, that's the beauty of that movie. And it was purely what I needed that day when I saw it. I was going to the movies that day to see Joker because I felt like I had to because everyone's talking about it. And then I, just, I said, you know what? I just don't want to see it. Yeah. And instead, I walked into a movie I wasn't going to see, which was Pain and Glory. And it was exactly what I needed that day. So uh, narratively, it could be, it's a bit like, if you think of like the regular narrative themes, it's a little, it's untraditional for sure. And maybe even unsatisfying, but the main, that the movie to me was the, what I just said, kind of laid, just put in visual form. And I, I really appreciated it. Yeah. That's well said. No, I, I really, I did. I liked it a yeah. lot. Moment to moment. Yeah. When you start breaking it down, you're kind of like, well, does that make sense? But as an <laughs> experiment, since it, it, it did the job, I thought. It was experiential. And Antonio Banderas, very good in it. I mean, excellent. He was great. Yeah. And so was his lead actor. I thought he was pretty great too. Uh, yeah. I thought yeah. The, the whole cast was really good. Do and you mean- uh, we talked before about how it was hard to buy Patrick Stewart as looking yeah. weak. Uh, <laughs> right. Antonio Banderas outacted. I wouldn't have thought I could take Antonio Banderas as a not completely, you know, suave and strong right. and smooth guy. Um, I, he outacted uh, Patrick Stewart, Stewart in that regard. He yeah. totally sold me on on his performance. Yeah, the, I think I think the rest of the movie is key. Is is a, is a beginning. There's a scene in the beginning where he's talking to a woman an old actress that he used to work with, I guess, in a cafe. And she says, what are you, are you writing? And he goes, ah, I'm taking a break or something. And she says, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't acting. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's exactly what he's going through. 
is that he's not writing. He doesn't know what to do with himself if he's not writing, so he might as well die. But yeah, it's no. all these un, it's all these things that he's left un, um, unresolved that are has filled up your desk, filled up your mind, and you can't write. So, no, and really... also just the the sadness he can't bear to write if he's not going to shoot it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that was very believable. Yeah. A Taiko Waititi gives what I've been seeing more and more lately is an ancestral lands acknowledgement. Hmm. Which is, I think, a cool idea. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. At some point, it'll be like, if you say it every time you could say it, like, I, I want to, we need to culturally like figure out how to integrate that into the proceedings so it's just like part of part of something you do without, without yeah and the, but that's the thing is acknowledge yeah we took it <laughs> like I'd love and it if it just became part get... of like a ceremony that we just all it felt like it just like flowed in so yeah. it's just part of the proceedings somehow right. I don't know we need to we need to work that out culturally how we yes we certainly do we have a how lot we integrate that uh, so it's not like doesn't feel start to feel i don't want people rolling their eyes when they're hearing it for the third time you know what i'm saying yeah totally like i want to figure out figure that out anyway it's not my job brie larson Mm. Sigourney Weaver and non-Oscar nominee gal Gadot. i thought it was <laughs> kind of cruel the way they left her hanging out to dry. Oh, the wonderful Sigourney Weaver, who's won an award. Brie Larson's been nominated. And Gal Dott, who yeah. <laughs> has played Wonder Woman. I want to point out, though, that they said that they were both superheroes, but that Sigourney Weaver led the, led the way, obviously, as Whipperly, and that's completely true. Yeah. But they didn't point out that she had... She, Sigourney Weaver is a supervillain from the Defenders. Why didn't they point that out? That Defenders. seemed to be, yeah. She's the, Tell us about the Defenders. Yeah, the Netflix series, The Defenders. Oh, she's or, the villain of that. I haven't she's seen the that. main villain in that. She's great. Oh. Well, she did not pave the way as a supervillain. No, but as a superhero, certainly did. Um, this led to actually their 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 insistence that they're going to start a fight club afterwards, and invite men to come in and 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 shirts have to come off and it's just the way it is. Led to my favorite, the second favorite joke of the night, which was they they said the winner gets um, lifetime supply of deodorant, sushi, and tequila, which I wasn't didn't totally get the references there, but then he goes the loser has to answer questions from journalist questions about what it's like to be a woman in Hollywood, <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver goes you don't want to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, well, well. Well put. Oh, like you would know. No, well, it's just I can imagine if, like, you know, just getting asked. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, in your chain. The, the questions itself was like showing, look, it's an interest. We should, we, we, we want to know your experience. But you don't say, hey, what's it like to be a man in Hollywood? <laughs> That's true. You're right. Because honestly, I don't think anyone wants to hear that answer. <laughs> <laughs> look at the whining. Oh, it's harder. It's harder. It's so hard. It's every man in Hollywood now. 
You don't even, uh, you can't even be in a room alone with a woman. You feel like you're going to get slapped with a lawsuit if you <laughs> touch the wrong body part. Yeah, we don't want to hear those complaints. Yeah. Uh, I'm a victim, so I tell you, I'm a victim. The, the, the Sloppy Seconds Award. <laughs> Having, we've already been introduced, we've already been introduced to the main conductor for the night, but here, pinch hitting... <laughs> for the ladies segment, ladies time, we have men clear the dance floor. Ladies get to conduct one song. Well, five, but I, at, medley. at first I thought they were saying that she's going to take over as conductor. And I was like, great. And then, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Our regular conductor has to take a shit. <laughs> Our regular conductor is so. unfortunately male. So we're going to escort him out for the moment. Not for the whole, nobody worry. Just for the moment. Men take longer poops than women. <laughs> so while he's doing that. And I'll be back in about five minutes. I've got to take a crap. <laughs> so then we get, I, 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 don't, I don't know who, I don't know who this person is. She seems like she, a great conductor. No. I have this problem when I'm on camera. I don't know what to do with my arms. And my arms... <laughs> Stick out at weird angles when I don't know what to I have nothing specific She's I need to do conductor. with them. Say conducting an orchestra. <laughs> and like my back isn't necessarily straight. I might be like at a weird angle with my torso. I think she has the same problem. <laughs> I think we might be kindred spirits here. So I sympathize. I empathize. I empathize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when she got to the part. She's conducting. She's smiling real big because, boy, she's got to represent every female conductor ever. Yeah, exactly. Whoever was or ever shall be in these few minutes. And she's conducting the hell of this orchestra. And then they get to the Star Wars one. And Seymour says, oh, she's turned into C-3O. <laughs> I messed up because I was trying to read it instead of just, yeah. I know I know the droid's name. Go ahead, sir. Oh, she's trying to be C-3PO now. She's, she's, she's not trying to be. She's turned into C-3PO now. So, she's not, suddenly she's even more stiff-jointed. and Is that and why she had that? She's wearing like a shiny gold yeah. outfit. and. Is that why she has that one red arm? <laughs> yes. We never did get that now, goddamn explanation. Now, hey, actually, we, we don't know because they never really spent a lot of time on the male conductor while I was conducting. He could have been doing all sorts of crazy shit, like through the legs, oh, yeah. like you know, back behind. He didn't have the same pressure on him, to he be could, sure. Exactly. He could have been like eating his baton. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, anyway, that was slightly awkward. But that gets oh. us into the nominees for Best Original Score. Aha. Uh-huh. Thomas Newman, 1917. Hildur Gu... No, I, whoop. Is it like good daughter? Gu, I wish I could say her name. Icelandic. For Joker. Alexander Desplat for Little Women. Randy Newman for Marriage Story. And John Williams with the greatest sound library of all time. With 25% of a new score. <laughs> Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So obviously this was taken by the uh, favorite to win, uh, Hilder with Joker. And uh, yeah, the score's pretty great. I completely agree with this choice. I, yeah. The score was the best part of the movie. 
Yeah. I would and say I, I would rank these to be Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917. And I don't know about Star Wars. Maybe it's in there. <laughs> I have no idea how to rank that. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I, same rankings. I thought Little Women also had a great score. Marriage Story, I liked it a lot. It's pretty repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I might bump it for Dolomite is my name. Ooh, well, no, yeah. I definitely. Yeah. I might bump it for Dolomite is my name because it's also repetitive, but uh, let's get some new blood in there. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't need Randy Newman to get yet another nomination. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Oh. I, I, I kick yeah. out of here again. Yeah. It, it's all recycled. I listened to it three times at work. Just while working to see like something will stand out to me as new right and nothing ever did i'm like oh, they even got darth vader's theme in there darth vader ain't in this movie <laughs> and they have darth vader's theme it's like that's how recycled well, he is. hangs over it i would bump that for uh midsommar bobby acrylic oh. uh wow. which has a pretty pretty great score very unsettling it's mm. harmonious while <laughs> oh here's my note it's simultaneous, harmonious, and ominous. I'd have to... Oh, nice. I'd have to pay attention. I haven't really been paying attention to other scores, but I would say that uh, I'd bump, yeah, Star Wars for sure for... Uh, what was it you just said? Um, Midsommar. No, before that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, Dolomite is my name. Dolomite is my name. Yeah, I'd bump... Uh, uh, Star Wars for Dolomite is my name, and uh, 1917 I'd bump for Honey Boy. Oh, I don't know that one. Which had a good uh, good score. 1917, in the movie, I found the score distracting. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the pulsing thing. It's like trying to amp up the, the drama because it's just taking them too long to walk from point A to point B. Right. And it, it didn't work. And then when I listened to it, uh, when I listen to it on its own, it, it doesn't work for me either. I, right. I don't like that score. No. I have a soft spot for the very cheesy, but for me, very effective score from Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. I saw it go, ooh, Ford v. Ferrari. I go, yeah, but it's not. It's, it is the weaker part of it, but it's still very effective. In the movie, I... I, I I never do this. I drove home with the theme in my head. Oh yeah, yeah. From the movie, and then I listened mm-hmm. to it, and I said, "I'm like, oh, this is kind of." <laughs> <this is." laughs> but that's just it. If, you know, if music supports what you're seeing, like, like I'm not so sure that Henry that uh, the score for Captain America: The Winter Soldier is exceptional, um, but it fits the movie so well. Yeah, the, only, the, yeah. the exception to that, though, is the, uh, the track called Fury, Attack, The Attempt on, on His Life. I mean, I listen to that by itself all the time, but it's because mm. of the sequence. There's just a pounding to it that's uh, uh, just so great. And yeah, probably not, not I wouldn't probably even nominate it for, a, for an Oscar, but it fits the movie so well. Alexander Desplat's uh, score for Little Women was lovely. Lovely. I, I liked lovely, it a lot. Lovely. But Hildur definitely should have won for Joker. That that score sells some of those scenes better than anything else, I think. <laughs> than the writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, some of those scenes I thought might have fallen really flat and get really get carried by the score. Yeah. If you haven't seen Chernobyl. Which I want to. I really do. 
her score for Chernobyl is really great too. Oh wow! Oh okay, she did the one for Chernobyl. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Cool. All right. Uh, now do we go to the original song? At last, are we there? We are finally the there. Song? Oh, uh, that, I, I blew my own joke. Hilder oh. uh, on Dotier accepting the award, draped in some of that graphite from Chernobyl. <laughs> Okay, that's my Chernobyl joke. Okay, best original yeah. song. We scattered throughout the broadcast. We had uh-huh. a number of performances of these songs. Now what, is the point where we're going to talk about them. What what stood out to you in terms of performance, first of all? Which performances did you... Do you have any thoughts on the five? I guess uh, excluding Lose Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The I thought the best performance was for what I already thought was the best song, which was Stand Up from Harriet. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, I actually have a completely different take. Okay. So, the, so it makes good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the strongest performance and song was the Frozen song, actually. It was Into the Ooh. Unknown. Now, what's a little unfair about my criteria for what makes this the best song uh, it's a little unfair because this is from a musical. So it kind of has built into it, you know, dr- uh, character arcs, things that are like, you know, revelations and, 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 and healing and all that other stuff. I actually think it's the, it's, it was really the only song with one half of an exception that really affected me out of any of these songs. Stand up. I'm surprised by, because I, 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 the, the, for the recording alone, I was shocked that, that for using for singing about things such huge, intimate things like freedom and home, that to me the song those two things didn't carry any resonance. The lyrics I, are a little clunky. I'm mostly the lyric, going by the composition. Yeah. 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 And then weirdly the chorus I, I Cynthia Erivo is such an amazing singer and such an amazing performer. I felt like the record in the recording of the song it didn't offer her anything to it didn't show what she's capable of, nor did it really sell its own message. Uh and yet I know she co wrote it. Um, now, the Oscar performance, the first half I didn't enjoy, and the second half I really did. Finally, the second half kicked in. I was like, okay, this is kind of more what I thought the song should be. <laughs> but for some reason, the stand-up doesn't, doesn't work for me, and maybe it's not supposed to necessarily work for me. But um, It was pretty weird. I mean, it was weird for the, in, the, in the beginning that she was dressed as an Oscar. She's like, give me, oh, yeah. give me, please. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia, but then in the background, the uh, there's like these people milling around behind her. Yeah, and some are dressed like Hari Krishnas, but some are just wearing like gray sweats. <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't tell what was going on yeah. in, the, in the costume choices there. Maybe that's mm-hmm. reflected by something in the movie. I haven't seen it, so I I can't speak to that. Mm. But I don't know. I, I on the whole, I wasn't that keen on this crap of songs mm-hmm. uh, to begin with. So uh, yeah, stand up. I didn't, I didn't love the song. I just thought it was the best of the, 
of the field. Yeah, I love seeing all the Elsas though. That was pretty cool. I thought that well, was a that good had the weird effect of like Adine. What's her name? <laughs> what's her real name? Bail me out here. Mademoiselle. I, I, I actually, I'm terrified now to say it. <laughs> Who's you know, great in uncut like, gems, by the way? She's great in uncut gems. You know, we all know her as this terrific finger, t- terrific singer, and then we find out she's a dime a dozen. They have one of her in every country. <laughs> well, well, to me, it, it, it felt more. It felt more like un- like unity through diversity. I really liked it. It, it was like cool. I loved. I mean, probably the first time Polish has been sung at the Oscars. Maybe. I gave a woot. They left this <laughs> awkward pause after the Polish singer, and I was like, well, they were expecting audience applause. They were expecting the house to erupt. <laughs> it was weird that they didn't. But I thought that was yeah. pretty thrilling. But I do, I do have something else to say about um, the Toy Story 4 song. When I saw that it was nominated, I went, oh, I can't wait to find out what this is, and I've seen the movie twice. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, and I figured it was played over that montage where he's constantly saving Forky from the trash or pulling him out of the trash and the song doesn't register in the movie and so I'm listening I start to listen to the song for the first time of the links you sent and I'm going immediately I'm pretty going well this is pretty much a nothing song yeah and then after the first lyric and this the first verse and the second verse I realize oh my god this could be a brilliant song this is a upbeat energetic story of, and yet it's talking about first the, 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 the ache of watching someone hurt themselves or, or not take themselves um, not treat themselves well and, and trying to pull them out of that despair or suicide or anything like that and then the second verse basically throwing saying I, I can't keep doing this you know, you're gonna. You don't listen. You don't behave. And I can't do this every day of my life. Some part you're gonna have to do this, and and getting angry and throwing that back at them. And I'm like, oh my God, what is the third verse of this song going to be? The brilliant twist that turns this into something like 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 beautiful and healing and fair and and beneficial for both people in the song. And there is no third verse. It just ends. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? You're gonna, uh, you know, I was, I was. It's, it's not a finished song, in my opinion. So I was angry that it was a really great, potentially brilliant song, and then it just ends before it goes anywhere. Really not. My uh, note, ups- my note on this one was uh, Randy Newman phoned-in performance of a phoned-in composition. <laughs> yeah, sadly, it just all felt very tossed off. Yeah. Absolutely. So a disappointment there. Seymour's lines were, uh, when I pointed this out, she, she says, well, he would say, what are they going to do? Fire me? The fourth <laughs> movie, I've done the song for every other one. I had to accept whatever half-assed song I give them. <laughs> and then she also says, remember that sexy moment with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper yeah. last year? What if we did that with Randy Newman in a cloud? <laughs> It kept being turned on and off, yeah. But we didn't talk about the winner, which is weird. I don't have anything to say about the winner because I don't, I can't understand the lyrics. Of I can't hear them, and I haven't bothered to look them up. <laughs> and just a, uh, I don't know what to say. So boring. It's a boring song. Yeah, it felt. It feels like a unused Elton John song from a long time ago, which yeah. 
is still still rousing and fun, but I don't. I, I Unused don't... for a reason, yeah. Just yeah. like something off the scrap heap. It, yeah, it yeah. just felt, yeah, a total retread. Yeah, waste of waste of time and space. And, and it was it was sad seeing. I'm oh, not sad. I mean, because Elton John is a, has been a, one of the greatest performers that's been around for a long. Uh, that's put in you know, it's, it's live performers. And then to see something that like rely the the staging of it at uh, the Oscars was mainly a video screen. That bothered me. You know, I was just going like, and yeah. a pair of giant sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. Well, stage glasses yeah so last year we had done uh, some song parodies mm -hmm. and they both happened to be uh, about different best picture nominees right and so we talked about well and we didn't even start that process until after the Oscars had aired and there was no reason to do that we could have had it done as soon as they announced the nominees yeah. we could have started work on those and I had five other songs <laughs> Dude, that we didn't record. <laughs> but yeah, we just didn't have time. It's too much. It's too much. Time. So this year I was like, okay, well, let's get on the ball as soon as they announce them. Yeah. Let's plan them. And then we texted each other that day when they announced them. And we were like, I, I listened to them real quick. And I was like, oh, these, I got nothing for yeah. these. <laughs> I don't even like these songs. I don't right, want right. to work on this, you know? Yeah, we just went, nah, totally uninspiring. The one idea I did have and then it ended up not applying was for this one to do I'm gonna uncut my gems <laughs> wait for which one? Oh, I'm gonna love me again I'm gonna uncut yeah, so, my gems I'm gonna uncut my gems and then they didn't nominate uncut gems so it didn't work out then uh, it could have been all about how uncut gems got snubbed but then I didn't end yeah. up seeing uncut gems so I couldn't write it <laughs> that's a good one we should maybe for a follow up when the pressure's off, you know. Well, the pressure mounts for the nominees for Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Picture. And our next episode of You Awarded It Wrong. <laughs>